Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I've always said there are two key things that can turn any good investment property into a bad one, and that's um, poorly structured finance and um, a bad property manager. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Owen Davis. Having worked in the property industry for over 15 years and being a homeowner for 20, we'll learn about how a never-ending game of monopoly became the foundation for a career, the importance of timing when it comes to investing and much, much more. Having been in the property game for so long, Owen Davis is well-versed in the area of property investing, finance and real estate. I'm uh, the principal and director of uh, Leafield Real Estate um, and uh, I've uh, been self-employed in this industry for um, uh, over 15 years uh, within the finance, real estate um, industries where we really uh, focus on looking after the property investor. Um, I, start, I started in the industry in the late 90s, uh, working for a number of different um, businesses and um, uh, really learned how not to do it really. Um, but at the same time, I uh, was building um, my own portfolio of properties and um, in various different ways and um, and yeah, so start, bought my first house in 1997. So yeah, over 20 years ago now. From assisting other property managers, talking to business partners, or property investors, no day is quite the same for Davis. Any given day now? Well, it, it's we're working with uh, all of our property managers because we specialise with property management uh, across Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. Yeah, a lot of my time is spent working with them to help um, you know, uh, promote what they're doing through marketing. Uh, we do a lot of social media and and, and uh, we're, we're talking to a lot of our business partners who are more your, your, your mortgage brokers, uh, financial planners and accountants, um, as well as uh, builders and developers uh, that we're working with um, to provide property management to, to all of their um, uh, clients and, and purchases. But, uh, uh, so I travel a bit um, and our business is a bit different to the uh, typical um, local agent uh, who specialises more in owner-occupied sales. Um, so we're just focused purely on the property investors. So it's um, out and about a, uh, quite a bit, uh, 
driving around Sydney or I, I was in Brisbane uh, last week for a few days uh, working with our team up there. Um, but it, it's talking to our property managers who are on the ground all day, every day, dealing with uh, tenants and owners and uh, and all of the problems that come up and having to uh, uh, fix them or find solutions or uh, whatever it might be. It's uh, never, never a boring day in property management. Davis adds what he believes are the two most important takeaways when it comes to managing property. I've always said there are two key things that can turn any good investment property into a bad one, uh, and that's um, poorly structured finance and um, a bad property manager. Growing up in the northwest of Sydney and staying in that area for most part of his life, Davis shares it was his early career combined with his childhood that sparked his interest in property. I grew up in the Hills District of Sydney, so um, spent most of my life there and um, haven't really got um, out of, um, uh, it was only a few years ago that uh, moved away to uh, uh, out of the Hills area to Northern Beaches of Sydney. Um, and it's, um, uh, yeah, haven't really moved around uh, too much uh, apart from that, but um, grew up there. It's... Um, and I always knew that I wanted to um, do something with working with investors and uh, um, and working in a real estate space. But um, yeah, it wasn't really the owner-occupied space. So I did a small stint in in um, typical local real estate sales, and um, that was okay. But didn't didn't really uh, catch on for me. Uh, it was too too transactional. I, I like relationships and. And, and looking after people and um, and helping them to to grow what they've got. But uh, I had a father who well, I still have a father who's who's an accountant and a public accountant. So I grew up in uh, um, a household that um, um, yeah I was exposed to you know, at least the tax environment. And um, you know it was um, not something that was talked about a lot, I guess. But I, I was exposed to it enough where I could ask a lot of questions and um, and um, so I always had a, an understanding that um, of what you you could or couldn't do from a tax point of view I tried doing the accounting thing after school but uh, uh, you know I I, I I wanted to have a chance of growing a personality so I didn't go down that road Completing his studies at the local public schools near him, Davis explains when he discovered further education wasn't for him. Went to, to uh, a couple of different schools, so just uh, local um, local public schools, um, and yeah, it uh, school for me wasn't really uh, something that uh, uh, did a lot for me. Um, I, I, I think I already knew um, what I wanted to do, but it was just working out how how to do it. So. Um, yeah, I, 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 had a, I had a fun time at school. That's about it. And why he decided to skip university in education in favour of work and experience. University wasn't for me. It's, uh, I wasn't a good student. So, um, um, yeah, I, it's, uh, I wasn't interested in going to, um, uh, to uni or anything at all. It's, um, so I, I, I knew I always wanted to be self-employed. So what's the point in wasting four years and racking up um, um, education debt that I wasn't going to use? And so fr- from there, yeah, went straight into the workforce. 
Davis shares the types of jobs he did prior to property managing and how he got into the property industry. I tried the accounting thing working uh, and, yeah, soon worked out that um, well, worked out that I had an affinity for numbers. Um, and, but, yeah, it, it's uh, but sitting in front of a, a spreadsheet all day, um, not talking to anyone, yeah, that wasn't for me. So, um, I, and I, I learned. Uh, from reading, you know, different books about, um, yeah, business and personal development and so on, that um, you had to, um, uh, if you're going to be in, in business for yourself, then uh, you have to be good at uh, talking to people and, and good at sales and all of that type of thing. So, yeah, so I started looking for jobs that um, would help me to um, get that kind of experience and because uh, I, I wasn't known for um naturally being an extroverted person. So, yeah, I went into a few different um, retail jobs where I was forced to talk to people when they walked in. And, and uh, so that was in the in the uh, mobile telephone um, industry. Um, and, yeah, so I did a couple of years of that. And then I looked at um, um, moving more into the property and finance industry where I got some uh, uh, sales types roles in um, uh, working for uh, finance or property-related businesses and uh, and got some more uh, experience and exposure to that industry. Deciding to go down the path of property management, Davis explains that he was initially questioned a lot about his career decision. Apparently, um, I, I was told and because uh, I had someone who was trying to work out, um, yeah, how well, you know, why did you go into property management? Like people don't, you know, because I had my mortgage broking business that I started uh, uh, 15 years ago, 2003, and I went from there during the GFC in, into uh, the real estate property management business. And people, people sort of tried to understand why, why did I do that? Yeah, you know, why don't you just go into sales? That's where all the big money is and good money is. Like, yeah, but uh, not really into that and uh, I had someone who was, you know, I was getting my head read once and lots of people would probably agree uh, I, I, I still need it done more often. But, uh, um, you yeah, know, someone worked out that, uh, yeah, where did this come from? He shares there was actually a popular household board game that prompted his desire to get into property management. I, I used to play Monopoly a lot as a kid, as a young kid in primary school. And uh, I had two older sisters and uh, so I was the, the, the baby boy, as uh, I kept being reminded. But, um, uh, yeah, two older sisters, they weren't really interested in playing Monopoly. And, um, and Monopoly's got a uh, – the board game has got a lot of um, yeah, negative connotations about it. You know, I, I talk to people about it and I say, oh, yeah, Monopoly's just boring. It takes hours, mm-hmm. days, days to play. And um, yeah, it, and it, it is true. Everyone tends tends to give up playing Monopoly just as it's starting to get interesting because that's uh, yeah because it takes a few hours for all the the properties to get bought up and then you can start putting houses and hotels on it. But um, um, but uh, as a result of that, my two older sisters used to get sick of playing the game with me. So from there, I. Um, uh, yeah, they they tell me, oh, I'll just take my turn, take my turn, and yeah, they were going off on the phone or something. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, and so eventually, I, I just ended up playing the you know the game by myself, um, 
which people laugh at and, you know, it's, um, yeah, and it's okay. I've, uh, I'm over it now. I've had, had my therapy, but, you know, <laughs> it, it's, uh, but, but what ended up, and it started, and it probably started like that, you know, situation where, you know, um, I just kept on taking a turn for my, for my sisters. But uh, eventually, and not many people know this, but there are actually 10 pieces in the Monopoly game. So I thought, well, let's make it interesting um, because it, it stopped being about who was winning and who was losing for me. That, that's basically the, you know, uh, the bottom line. Um, it, yeah, whenever I tell this story, people say, well, yeah, oh, so, yeah, who, who would win? And so, like, well, there was no, it, that stopped being the, the, the goal of the game for me. So I, I ended up playing the board game with all 10 pieces by myself. And it stopped being about winning it and it started becoming about making the game last as long as possible. So instead of it being a game of winning, it became a game of, of, of managing the players. So um, I, I didn't, re- didn't realise this until it was about uh, six or seven years ago and where it's just like, oh, maybe that's where I got it from. And, yeah, so for me, I was – because this game would last for weeks. You know, I'd get home from school and pull it out from under my bed and, you know, I'd have to make sure everything's in the same places. And, yeah, the bank would run out of money every so often, so I'd have to set up little bank accounts on the back of the, the – uh, on on back of envelopes for the richer players and, um, and then I'd sort of pack it up and slide it underneath it, you know, when I'd, I'd finish. But these games would last for weeks and – and so it became a management process of me from from my point of view of trying to make these players stay in the game for as long as possible. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Owen Davis' journey and how he got started in property. Well, the first um, property I purchased was um, um, uh, my first home that uh, I lived in and and we got into that that was in 97 and we got into that with only a six percent deposit how he grew his portfolio three years later we we sold that for uh, a uh, hundred thousand um, uh, profit we uh, then bought um, another block of land in, in kellyville uh, built that ourselves to live in and while we were halfway through that, bought another block of land in Kellyville around the corner. His advice on the current lending situation in Australia? A lot of people who have ne- never had a problem being able to borrow money have now got a problem. Um, so the best time to buy is when you can afford to. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Sharp and you're listening to Property Investory. Purchasing a property to live in back in 1997, Davis explains there was a property boom that came with the Sydney Olympics and that marked the start of his investing journey. Well, the first um, property I purchased was um, um, uh, my first home that uh, I lived in and, and we got into that. That was in 97 and we got into that with only a 6% deposit. Um and, you know, it seemed like huge and, 
the purchase price was something like, uh, and that was in Glenwood in Sydney, um, and near Borkham, between sort of Borkham Hills and, and sort of Blacktown, and bought that for $237,000, and that was huge money <laughs> back, back then. Um, yeah, it was huge money, and um, people were saying, oh, yeah, you're overstretching yourself, you know, and why don't you be a bit conservative? And, and it was a brand-new property. It was a house and land package. Um, and it's, um, yeah, so we managed to scrape in with that, paid lots of mortgage insurance, and, and yeah, we we're, were up and running, and, and then the, the, uh, the boom started to happen with the Sydney Olympics, so the property market went off. And, um, yeah, over the next uh, few years, um, had some good growth. And, and from and so three years later, we, we sold that for uh, a uh, 100,000 um, uh, profit. Um, and so that was pretty cool. It was just like, wow, went up by 50% in three years pretty much. Um, and, and, yeah, that, that we were over the moon. So um, we uh, then bought um, another block of land in, in Kellyville. Uh, built that ourselves to live in, um, and while we were halfway through that, bought another block of land in Kellyville around the corner, um, and uh, and the market was still growing at this stage, and we um, uh, built on that. Having had background knowledge in tax and accounting, it was following these two purchases in Kellyville that his property journey and portfolio continued to grow. Took advantage of, of the market uh, and our experience with building and and um, and yeah, the, the, the amount of money you can save rather than buying a finished product. Um, and of course, with um, ha- having that sort of tax background or accounting background, um, yeah, I knew that if we were going to um, um, build something purely for investment, because uh, that second one in Kellyville we rented out, so that was the first investment, pure investment property, and we um, so we wanted to keep it for at least twelve months to to um, reduce any cap, yeah, to 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 get the tax deductions and then reduce any capital gains tax if we ended up selling it. So. Um, so that was that process, and then the market sort of started to slow down then. And um, but we kept on um, kept on buying. Yeah, we 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 looked into uh, uh, a commercial property, which for a little while ran ran the business out of. Uh, but that was um, um, but that was a good investment. Um, and then we looked at um, a. Uh, uh, Another property of Torrens Total Duplex, which we actually rented out as a fully furnished uh, property for a little while. Expanding on these Torrens Total Duplexes, Davis takes a moment to explain behind the spike in interest in these types of properties while giving us a word of advice when it comes to investing in them. And that's something that we have a lot of people in our business coming to us with, especially now with the growth of Airbnb and so on. Um, it's uh, asking us about, and uh, so I've personally had the experience of it. Um, and yeah, it's it's um, I I don't personally recommend it, um, but it it can be good. But your expense, yeah, you're obviously getting a higher return, but there's a there's a there's a higher management cost of of 
either time or money, depending on whether you're doing it yourself. Um, and it's also, um, yeah, there, there can be other costs involved because you, 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 you have to pay for the electricity and all the outgoings yourself as well. Having had experience with the previous cycles of property market, Davis talks about how timing has been an enemy of his when it comes to investing. This is the third cycle that um, uh, I've experienced in, in Sydney. Um, and I guess the the, uh, the worst personal experience is, I guess, um, uh, it, it all comes down to the timing of the market uh, or time in the market. Um, and it, it's... It, People always, uh, where, where people lose money uh, in property is when they have to sell for a reason. And, and it's usually at a time where um, where they might not have any choice, whether it's through sickness or illness or, um, or, or divorce or uh, whatever it might be, um, or losing their job and, 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 and all... And a lot of the time, those things can happen where where the, the market isn't the best, and they might have bought when at the top of the market. And yeah, and, and that effectively happened to me. It's where we had to um, sell some properties about ten years ago. At um, at um, the end of um, um, when when the market had come off in Sydney in around um, 2010, 2011. and um, yeah, that it's. It's always the, the timing of the market where, um, um, you know, it, it's, it, it, if you have to sell, then it's usually um, not always the best time to sell. Often asked about timing and buying property, Owen shares his take and advice about this topic. On the reverse of that, it's, I get a lot of people asking when is, when is the best time to buy and the best time to buy is always when you, you can get the money. Because as, we, as we've experienced in the last 12 months with uh, uh, the, the credit crunch we've been going through with, the, with what happened in the Royal Commission um, and the, the way the banks have reacted, a lot of people who have ne- never had a problem being able to borrow money have now got a problem. Um, so the best time to buy is when you can afford to and um, – uh, the best uh, best time is uh, to sell is um, hopefully never. Never. Yeah. <laughs> very true. Very true. Um, yeah. So that, that, that's yeah. That's probably my, my only sort of personal bad experience is you know having to sell at a time where where um, not not ideal. So if you, and that's where it's important to yeah have buffers in place with your finance if possible and yeah to to help you right and have appropriate insurances in place and. Uh, to try and help you get through those times. Having been in a situation where he had to let go of his own property, Davis talks about the circumstances which forced him to sell. Yeah, family situation and illness uh, at the time where, um, yeah, it was really a a case where, um, uh, yeah, it it just uh, had no no choice um, to to, um, having to sell um, um, to be able to um, pay off debt and uh, reduce costs and so on and so on. So it's um, and, and and that's just called life. While most people associate a specific moment with their realization that property is a life-changing vehicle, Davis shares that this wasn't the case for him. It comes down to hard work, and I, and maybe a lot of people don't like to say this, 
Um, um, but it is hard work. Um, uh, and I think there's, uh, to, to be able to pinpoint it onto one aha moment is maybe a bit too, yeah, there's no, there's no secret source. While all of his interest in property seemed to just build and grow as time went on, Davis states that there are certain things he learned along the way that cemented his desire to get into the property game. And maybe that's where I'm uh, a little bit uh, special, as people like to call me. It's um, um, not always in a nice way, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it, it, maybe I was a bit, a, a bit of a, a, a property and, 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 and tax geek, you know, uh, and I always sort out these things. Uh, there was... Um, so, uh, yeah, from yeah, quite young, I was I was always interested in these things. So I studied it. it it's um, yeah. So I would have had to have been late teens, early twenties. Yeah, I, I was I was learning about all the different tax laws and uh, and how you can use that to um, yeah buy property and um, yeah learning about how to structure finance. So I, I guess all right, it's the the memory starting to work now. Um, the the yeah when when I learned more about being able to structure finance, I guess that's that's where maybe the aha moment was of 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 how to and and then having to tell banks how to how to how to do it the bank employees and that's where I I maybe uh, uh, decided to become a mortgage mortgage broker after a few years because I got sick of having to um, you know. Uh, teach bank employees how to um, structure my debt. Um, it's uh, learning how to do that with uh, interest-only setups, uh, being able to then uh, get revaluations after after debt after equity increases to be able to pull pull out uh, that equity, and also using different lenders, learning how different lenders um, uh, would would service debt. Um, and so you can sort of use them one against the other. But um, this was in the, the good old days where you could do that. Um, a bit more difficult now. But I, I guess that would be the aha moment of of um, of working out how to yes reclaim that equity that you've had in the in, in the growth in the properties and the in the capital growth to be able to then finance the next one. Um, Using line of lines of credit, which were readily available back then, to be able to um, uh, yeah cash flow the uh, building process, um, and, uh, and and but also being aware of of the markets just don't keep growing all of the time. So I I, I did look at um, you know the past in terms of learning how you know, how long these cycles last for and to try and take advantage of, of that as quickly as possible. So, um, yeah, I, I guess that would be the, the aha moment of, of just learning how to take advantage of uh, those finance structures. And, and um, so I spent a good year or two teaching myself how that worked um, well, by speaking to lots of different lenders and there weren't as many mortgage brokers available. Uh, back then as, as there is now. So, inspired by Owen Davis' journey and the things he's learned along the way, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Investory. We'll discuss why he is a multi-layered strategy. I guess there's, there's, uh, it was various strategies and um, I always like to 
have a, a varied strategy with the properties, um, looking at both um, capital growth for getting short-term, short-term growth. The interesting personal habits that have been contributing to his success. My personal habit within the within this industry is just to, I, I love it. Um, so I'm continually, uh, yeah, I'm one of those people who just goes looking at open homes for fun or. or and that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. To jumpstart your week, here's Mindset Monday where our real success in property isn't knowledge and skill, it's 70% psychology and mindset. Here's this week's mindset tip from wealth coach Jill McIntyre. You're a strong advocate for building and maintaining a strong team around you in property, Jill. Do you feel that many of your clients when starting off with you don't do this? Absolutely not. And um, when I first started working many years ago now, about 11 years ago with Matt Jones, um, that I think many of you will know from Brisbane Property Networking Group and Property Resource Shop. And Matt is one of those people, and I'm sure he won't mind me using this example of a person that's a good all-rounder. And Matt can do everything on a renovation um, bar. The electrical work he will leave to the sparky, but I think he'd probably have a dabble there too. And then he goes home and he'd work on the website and work on starting up his networking group and all of the things that he was doing and spreading himself too thinly. We're only good at 5% of what we do. The other 95%, we need to leave it to other people that are better suited at doing whatever tasks we're doing than what we are. Stop and think. Matt could do all of those jobs, for example, but some of them would take him far longer. And I know for myself, I love back of the envelope these days, but sitting down and doing a full feasibility absolutely bores me to snores. So my, my property joint venture partner, he is excellent at the back end stuff like that. Yes, I can read them, I can understand what goes into them, but my time is better spent at the things that I'm really in my 5% zone with. So stop and think what you're good at because we need to be monetizing and maximizing that 5% so that you can then, that's your specialty area. If it's negotiating, if it's finding deals, work on that one. Get someone else on your team that can do things that you don't like um, it could be something that you usually put to the bottom of the pile at the end of the week because you don't want to do it on Monday and you do it on Friday. And if that's hampering you and slowing you down, do something with your 5% and get someone to help you with the 95%. So until next time, enjoy that one too.